Welcome to our Digital Disruptor series, where we profile companies and innovations that are set to remake and reshape industries, companies, and the economy. We hope you'll enjoy our interviews and always welcome any comments and suggestions. Good day, everyone. And this is Ed McGuire Insights Partner with Momenta Partners with a, another episode of our uh, Digital Disruptor series. And with us, we have uh, Dave Martin, who is the co-founder and managing director of PowerLedger, which is a uh, an extremely interesting and, and innovative company uh, based in Australia, uh, focused on uh, really helping to advance a really a once in a lifetime or even once in a century transformation of the energy industry. But I'll let him uh, tell you more in his words. David, it's great to have you on 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 the podcast. Really great to, to be speaking with you, Ed, and thanks for your interest. Fantastic. So I'd just like to dive right into it. I mean, it, uh, let's. Could you talk about from a very high level? I mean, what is the uh, what's what's kind of the big macro problem that that Power Ledger was was created to address? Sure. I guess at a very very high level, what we're we're trying to do is is limit the um, the impact of the disruption that's being caused by the spread of distributed renewable energy resources. So things like uh, PV systems, batteries, micro wind, uh, community scale renewable energy resources that. If, if not managed, um, can really reduce the economic efficiency of networks, electricity networks, particularly distribution networks, and then really impact uh, consumers who are unable to play in that DER space. So as more and more renewables come onto the grid, as more consumers uh, look towards self-sufficiency, um, the, the underpinning economics of electricity generation, sorry, electricity transmission and distribution um, become undone. Uh, and for those people who can't participate in that environment, Environment, that means a rising cost of energy uh, and, a, and a particularly serious problem around um, managing that what is really a very important social asset. So could you, let's let's talk a little bit about what you've uh, what you what, what you put together around uh, uh, with Power Ledger. Um, talk about some of the uh, some of your offerings and, and the technologies that have come to bear. Yeah, sure. Maybe I should go back to you know why why we started um, and what we're seeing here in Western Australia. Uh, Australia generally is a bit of a canary in the coal mine, I think, for for the energy industry because we've got such a deep penetration of distributed renewables. So where we are in Perth, it's greater than one in four households now has rooftop solar. Uh, in other parts of Australia, it's more than one in three. So we're starting to see the impact of. Uh, unmanaged um, penetration of distributed renewables. We're starting to see the load defection that's occurring. Um, we're starting to see a, a rising um, contribution of, of network costs to the overall cost of distributed energy. So we've got a bit of a heads up on the rest of the world. And what we did with PowerLedger is kind of recognise the fact that if we didn't find a reason 
uh, an economic principle that said to a consumer with DERs, stay connected to the grid, monetize your excess energy, participate uh, in the system. Well, if we couldn't do that, then the next best thing for those individuals was to install storage and to disappear from the grid. And as storage becomes more affordable, more available, more and more consumers are looking to follow a narrative that says, get off the grid, become completely self-sufficient to the extent you can, uh, and, and, and use renewable energy because it's good for the environment. What it doesn't really, uh, that doesn't really factor is that uh, the diversity that you get, um, the ability to, to optimise the diversity of energy demand by connected, being connected to the network means we can share the benefit of those distributed renewables. We don't have to install as much capacity and we can reduce the cost and carbon impact of energy uh, far more uh, successfully if we can keep those assets connected to the grid. So PowerLedger uh, as a trading platform is intended to create an economic environment where consumers are incentivised to install distributed renewables, but they're also incentivised to stay connected to the grid in order to monetize their investment. So you're using blockchain technologies as a way to uh, really to, to, to track uh, the exchange of, of, uh, of, of a power and value, um, but but also as a as as an as an incentive as well. Could you explain how uh, the role that blockchain is playing in in the broader solution and how you you know how you've set up the uh, the ecosystem of users? Yeah, sure. So um, the, the, I guess the reason why blockchain is such a, a great tool for the challenge that we've got with the energy system at the moment is it deals with the complexity of transactions. So historically in the energy space, we've had linear transactions, big power stations pushed energy to consumers via transmission and distribution networks, and consumers had one-way relationships with their utility or an energy retailer. But that's breaking down now as more and more distributed energy resources go out into the grid, those physical transactions are multi-party, they're, um, they're multi-temporal, uh, and they're for different services. They're not just for energy, they're for capacity, they're for frequency control, they're for a range of things. So what blockchain allows us to do is manage the complexity of those transactions uh, better than any tool we've been able to see at this point in time. So with our platform, uh, we basically read all the meters all the time at a very high level. We're seeing what's being produced, by whom, when, at what price, through what mechanism. We're seeing what's being consumed where and when uh, and by whom and, and, again, at what price, how that energy is being transferred or how that service is being provided, if it's a, a network or a market service. And by using blockchain, we can create an immutable record of all of the physical contributions to that energy transaction. Uh, and because it's an immutable record, we can then tie a financial um, transaction to those, and we can settle that transaction in virtually real time. So we can uh, reduce the cost and time frame of, of energy transaction reconciliation and settlement. We can reduce the risk of non-payment. We can provide consumers with a greater real-time incentive for participating in, in demand-side management or other energy management services. So blockchain is a really important tool in this environment, but what it allows us to do is to encourage consumers, distributed consumers, to play a more active part in the operation of a highly efficient and secure and resilient energy system. Could you talk about the this emergence of the distributed grid? And this is this is something that I think you alluded to uh, that Australia is you know is certainly at the leading edge of, of adoption of of, uh, of solar technology, uh, you know, rooftop solar in particular, but but also uh, the the adoption of 
of microgrids. Um, could you talk about some of the, uh, you know, the inherent challenges that uh, that face, you know, existing uh, existing systems, utility and utilities uh, when you when you start to build build out a, we'll just say, you know, really distributed energy grid, and you know how how you look at the, you know, the the role that that your your solutions are are going to be able to play in in helping to bridge some of those challenges. Yeah, sure. I think um, I think the number one challenge um, isn't a technology one. The, the number one challenge we're facing now is a cognitive one because we've been running this system um, virtually the same way for the last sixty or seventy years, and uh, we still have uh, at, at the core of all of our systems a total governance framework, whether they're market frameworks or regulatory frameworks or commercial frameworks. This sense that there is a, a Command and control, um, centralised planning role in the in the development of the system, and that's been the case for, as I said, for the last half a century. But now, um, you know, the people who are going to be the developers and installers and operators of the energy system of the future are. Are property developers, you know, they're, they're people building the, the new subdivisions of the future, the new apartment towers, the new smart embedded networks, the new smart microgrids. It's not necessarily energy companies themselves that are going to be the ones that are in control of how the system evolves into the future. And so that idea of being able to command and control or centrally plan and deploy is breaking down. So the way we can best manage those systems uh, is to think of them now as, as an ecosystem rather than a, you know, a hub-and-spoke model where somebody sat in the middle and controlled everything. We need to put signals into the market that encourage consumers to operate their particular element of the system, their DERs, in a way that's sympathetic with the rest of the system. So platforms like PowerLedgers that allow the creation of an economy where consumers are actually incentivized, financially incentivized, to operate their DERs in a way that's sympathetic with the rest of the system are going to become more and more important. DERMs, so distributed energy resource management systems, have been around for a while in, in, in various forms. Smart grids have been around for a while in various forms, but they haven't proliferated because they've been really expensive. And when a centralised utility has looked at the cost benefit of installing uh, distributed resources to improve reliability or resilience or, or reduce cost, it, it hasn't stacked up because they've had to go out and install all of the, you know, not just the switches and the sensors, but they've also had to install all of the hardware as well, all of the you know, energy resources, storage and generation. But now consumers are doing the bulk of the heavy lifting. Um, they're installing the DERs, the batteries, the the, the, um, the inverters, the solar systems, and now it really comes down to how we incorporate those systems into a sorry those those assets into a system and orchestrate their behaviour. So platforms like PowerLedgers that um, provide an economic signal um, to a consumer um, to allow other people to operate their systems or to allow AI to operate their systems in a way that maintains the, the viability of the grid uh, are really, really going, going really, really important and going to become, I guess, the mainstay of rather than one, uh, one big centralised system, a group of decentralised but integrated and dynamically integrated microgrids, micro networks, smart circuits uh, and, and embedded networks. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it, I mean, it really is. a. It's just a. it is a massive uh, transformation. That's a, a kind of un, unprecedented, at least in, you know, in our 
uh, sort of our broader our energy dependent economy. Um, it, it isn't. It isn't though, because you know the, the energy industry has dealt with technological change really well for a really long time. So you know the, the, the generating technology has changed uh, remarkably. Um, power electronics has changed remarkably. We've been really, really good. And I, and I say really, I've been involved in the energy industry for nearly twenty years. It's just it's you know power led has been around for three years and been dealing at this this pointy end for a little while. But I, I always see myself as a an energy um, an, an energy market participant, and you know as such, the energy energy market and the energy system has been really good at integrating technology. Where that challenge now sits is that you know, we don't have control anymore. We need to find a new cognitive model for how this system um, will operate into the future. And if we don't, um, the, the disruption that's already occurring uh, will continue unabated. We'll have property developers building new microgrids um, as they build new cities. Uh, and if they're not integrated with the larger um, the larger grid, then we miss an opportunity. But that disruption will occur unabated. And I guess that's the real challenge for us. How do we, how do we not try to control the disruption, but provide signals to the disruptors to, uh, to continue what they're doing, but doing it in a way that's sympathetic with the rest of the grid? Could you talk about some of the uh, the offerings that that you guys have uh, have have put together and and how those how those address I would say different you know different aspects of the uh, of the of the value chain? Sure. So at its core, PowerLedger began as an energy trading platform. Um, as I said earlier, we, we read all the meters and we read all the consumers and we could create a transaction between a generator and a consumer. Uh, and I guess that is our, our base capability. But you can extend that uh, if we can if we can identify how consumers are, are, are trading or generating energy, we can create a, a marketplace. But we can also create uh, on the basis of that a, a very fast, low-cost and autonomous uh, environmental um, attribute valuation model so we can create um, very very quickly, validate, measure and, and report on the creation of, of, of carbon certificates and, and other environmental attributes. Um, we can use the power of blockchain to create a, a financing model that uh, allows um, individual in, in investors, uh, retail investors or community investors to invest in distributed renewables at a scale that um, they haven't been able to invest in previously. Uh, and and so the, all of the, 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 the offerings we've got around uh, energy trading um, in microgrids across networks, uh, electric vehicle integration with those things and the, um, the discharging potentially of electric vehicles into those grids, all of that sits around our trading capability. Um, building on that is our uh, um, environmental certificate um, validation, reporting uh, and trading. And then from there, um, the, the, um, the financing of renewable generating or re distributed renewable resources. So it's probably those three things, energy trading, um, carbon creation and management and energy, energy financing. But you've been pretty active in terms of having projects that are that are out in the field. Could you could you talk about some of the uh, at least at least some some of the projects that you're uh, you're involved with and you know, what uh, let's see what at least how how they're tracking so far. Yeah, sure. I think um, probably my favourite project of all of them because it demonstrates the the power of the creation of an of an economic model in this environment is um, my microgrid that we've we've de developed in uh, in Bangkok with a company called BCPG. 
So um, in Bangkok, we have uh, six or eight buildings involved in an energy trading uh, environment. There's PV installed on some of those buildings. So um, there are um, buildings that are part of a school, an apartment building, a shopping mall and a dental hospital. Uh, they all have very different load profiles. They all have very different roof spaces. So uh, just as an example, the school can, um, we can plaster the roof of the school with PV, but for 12 weeks of the year, there's nobody there. And on weekends, there's nobody there. Um, so uh, historically, that school would have been incentivized to install enough PV to cover their minimum demand. Now um, they can install enough PV to cover their maximum demand, knowing that when nobody's there, they can sell their energy to their neighbour, knowing that in an apartment building or a shopping mall, there's always going to be demand for energy at the time that they've got an excess of, of generation. So we can create an environment where somebody can install PV in those buildings confidently and know that they can sell 100% of the energy that's produced. The owners of those buildings know that they can contract for 100% of the energy that is produced, knowing it'll offset their, their grid demand. And even when they're not able to, to consume it themselves, they can sell it to somebody else who will. So it creates an environment that really incentivizes the installation in a, in a large way of distributed renewables and, and uses the diversity of demand over multiple consumer types to, um, to optimise its performance. Now, that's a, a microgrid that's dynamic. It operates across the, um, the MEA, Metropolitan Energy Authority's distribution network in central Bangkok. And if we can do that in an environment in a city with such a, a a dense power demand of, of as Bangkok, we can do it anywhere. And then the other projects we're running on, on uh, in the US on, in the West Coast with a, a project with Silicon Valley Power where we're helping them automate the, um, the measurement, validation and reporting of the creation of low carbon fuel substitution credits, making that process far simpler, uh, lower cost, faster, uh, and and enabling them to monetize um, the creation of the, um, of the environmental attributes attributable to their energy um, production and sales. And then back home uh, in Perth, um, we're running a, a smart cities project where um, for the first time consumers in that trial uh, are able to set their own buy and sell price for energy. So the creation of a real dynamic market at a distribution level where some consumers have PV, others are just buyers in that environment and they're interacting in virtually real time to set that buy and sell price depending on how they feel that the cost of energy and, and, the, and the value of their consumption plays out at that point in time. So that's three projects. Uh, we've got uh, projects also operating in Japan and a number of commercial deployments within um, uh, apartment buildings in Australia and working now with one of the largest shopping centre developers in Australia to, uh, to help them um, monetise uh, their investment in renewables and their shopping centres by giving the ability to transact directly with tenants in virtually real time. No, it is it is pretty amazing how the you know the enablement of these multi-source grids really is is so is so closely tied to the be able the ability to monetize excess capacity and 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 really normalize you know both the uh, both the demand curves as well as and as yeah. well as the the timing of supply and and it seems like that's uh, just an enormous just the the world is rife with opportunity. Um, could you talk a bit about uh, you know who would be your typical customer and and uh, you know the 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 how how a company like Power Ledger you know operates uh, you know in this in this ecosystem where there are a lot of inter, interdependencies. But you know who who is your who is your customer and and ultimately you know who will who would be the um, you know how 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 will you guys grow as a business? 
Mm. Uh, when we first started, we uh, we saw ourselves as an energy trading um, enabler. So we were um, creating a, uh, a software that allowed people to allowed us to help people trade energy. And we realised pretty quickly that um, if we didn't become a platform, then um, to, in order to achieve our aspirations for for working on the spread of distributed renewables, we would have to become enormous. So we we took what was a, a, an application and turned it into a platform to enable other people to use our platform to create trading environments. So those people are probably what you would refer to as our customers. So at this point in time, they are um, utilities like Kepco, Kansai Electric Power Company in Japan, where we're working with them to help them develop a, a virtual power plant model where they can. Um, use our platform to reward consumers in real time for their participation in the system. Uh, in Japan, uh, our, our customer there, BCPG, is um, a renewables installer. So they are using our platform to provide their customers with a broader benefit, which helps them sell more solar panels. Uh, in the US, uh, we're working with uh, Silicon Valley Power. So again, a utility helping them to monetize their, um, their uh, investments in distributed renewables and, and EV charging um, capacity. Uh, whereas here in Perth, uh, we're working with a network company and a retail company to, to help them um, include their consumers uh, in, uh, in the management of the system. So uh, encouraging consumers to install capacity where there may be uh, a need for investment so they can defer that investment or using customers to, um, to, to mitigate um, peak demand in incidents or to shift load, those sorts of things. Um, we're also working with property developers who are looking at a, a completely new model of, of, um, of property development where rather than just building a new subdivision of a 1,000 houses and connecting it to the grid like they've always done, seeing an opportunity to create those new developments as microgrids or smart embedded networks, uh, incorporating generation and storage in those developments, um, reducing the cost of supply to consumers and reducing the carbon impact of those, of those developments as an incentive to sell those, you know, those lots of land. So um, our customers are a pretty broad group. Um, they're largely energy consumers, but they range from property developers through to the utilities themselves. Well, it sounds like a, a classic platform model for a, for a technology company, right? That you're enabling partners to create value and, and essentially applications of, uh, or applications of, of different technologies to, uh, to, to drive business value. But that, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty exciting. Um, I just want to, uh, just, uh, ask, you know, it's still a very early market. So, you know, the, the idea that there's going to be a lot of established competition is, is really, uh, it's, it's, it's maybe a, a premature question, but, uh, would be interested to get a sense of, you know, how much of your, you know, your, your, your sales process is still evangelization and whether there are, you know, alternative approaches or, 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 or competitors that, that you need to, uh, you, you need to, position yourself uh, for, you know, for projects that you're winning. Yeah, to differentiate ourselves. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there is still a lot of evangelization. 
um, we uh, we are still having conversations around the future of the energy system and that transition. Though the, the conversations now uh, are less about us saying, hey, there is a problem here, there's smoke on the horizon, and more about saying, well, this issue, this problem, uh, this transition that we're all experiencing now, um, there is a, a way, a, a new kind of concept or paradigm for, for addressing that that isn't about um, everything getting um, smaller or, 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 um, or the, the commercial opportunities shrinking. They're about um, growing the pie, growing access to renewable energy, um, growing access to, to low-cost energy. Uh, and so evangelism is, is still there, a big part of what we're doing, but um, it's less about convincing people there's a problem and now uh, more about um, identifying and, and, and talking about what the solutions might look like. And in that regard, there are um, a, a small number of, of other companies like ours proposing similar uh, kinds of um, models of the future, uh, using sometimes different technologies, uh, although blockchain starting to become a, a central thread because of its ability to deal with the complexity of the transactions, but um, slightly different models. Some can, some uh, some looking at uh, operating at a wholesale space, some looking at exclusively uh, in the microgrid space. And I think our differentiation really is that um, we are trying to integrate um, a, a new energy future with the old one. Um, we're trying to say that there, um, there is an opportunity to protect, protect the value of the old system um, by incorporating a, a, a new way of doing things. We can drive utilisation of the old system by incorporating a new model that is largely funded by consumers. Uh, and I think that's probably our differentiation point. Uh, we're, we're still um, evangelising on the technology because blockchain itself is still um, you know, a relatively nascent technology uh, and there's a lot of hype around it. So in that regard, it's it's easy to get doors open, but um, then having a conversation around how blockchain um, can work in these environments um, is uh, you know is part of our sales process. But you know, one that's getting easier and easier as the technology is getting easier or a bit more better understood. Uh, and then you know, the competition uh, is coming as you'd naturally expect because people are, are waking up to the market opportunity. But in a lot of ways, that competition. Um, is great at this point because it's validating the argument that we've been making for the last few years and that we need to find a way to to, to steer this transition. We can't necessarily control it, um, but if we can steer it in a way uh, that, um, that that maintains the viability of the system, then um, then there's opportunities for, for lots of players. And the competition really, um, it, it's different and it's emerging, but it's helping validate the argument that we've been making. Absolutely. And and as you look forward over the next decade, uh, you know, what are you most optimistic about? And uh, are there some concerns that, you know, that 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 keep you keep you busy or, or, or keep you up at night? Um, there are a couple of concerns when I, when I um, see, uh, you know, um, government policy or subsidies for the spread of distributed storage. Um, without a, you know, without, without an economic model to sit behind it, I worry that um, we will miss the boat and the narrative around um, disconnection wins the day uh, and that consumers will, you know, they'll, they'll defect from the grid and other secondary markets to support grid defection will emerge and, and the value of the grid will be fractured. Um, but then I, I look at the kind of the ingenuity of, of the innovators in this space uh, and the work of you know property developers now who are 
vastly more nimble um, and creative than some of our utility counterparts. And I see that the options are, are growing. Um, and so I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty optimistic around what the future holds for energy. I think we will get to a, a state where the energy system will be largely renewable uh, and it will become lower and lower cost and more accessible to more people because of the, uh, the, the scalability of the technology. Um, so I, I think you know, in the next 10 years um, we'll, we'll go faster than the previous 10 years and there'll be more change in the energy space than probably the previous 100 years. But it's heading in the right direction and if we can create an economic model that supports the, the disruption that's coming from the change technology model, then I think it's, uh, it's a really positive future for the energy industry. Absolutely, and and uh, I my just my final question would be about uh, your your global view, and just given that you're operating on multiple continents, um, you know any distinct differences in the uh, in the in the adoption curves or uh, awareness across the, the 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 different projects that uh, that you're involved with in in different regions that that stand yeah. out to you. Absolutely. I think um, in, in areas like Australia and the US and parts of Europe where we've had um, well-entrenched regulatory frameworks for multiple decades, uh, the conversation around changing those regulatory frameworks is difficult. Um, not impossible and getting easier, but it's been difficult because, you know, we've, we've been doing this thing the same way for the last 50 years so, and giving that up is hard work. But environments like, um, like Thailand, Southeast Asia, even Japan, where those regulatory frameworks aren't as entrenched, um, they're not you know, they're not held on to as dearly or as tightly. So um, we can have a conversation around new ways of, of supplying energy and new, um, new opportunities for consumer interaction with the, with the market um, that, are, that are simpler, which, you know, the conversations in Thailand are a great case in point. Um, we are trading across the distribution network in Bangkok without a regulatory kind of model to support how that occurs, but we have a, a, a really um, involved and forward-thinking um, energy system over there and a, and, a, and a group of energy policymakers and, and regulators saying, well, this is the way of the future. Let's find a way to make it work um, and let's, let's change the regulations because there's nothing to lose. Um, so depending on where you are, what part of the world and how entrenched those regulatory frameworks are, um, progress is... You know, faster or slower. But the good news is that uh, as we demonstrate um, the, the opportunities in places like Thailand and in Japan and, and on, the, on the west coast of the US, other jurisdictions are looking up and um, seeing, looking over the fence and saying, well, if they can do it, we can do it. If they can get access to low cost and low carbon energy, if they can encourage the consumer to make the bulk of those capital investments, then, um, then why shouldn't we be able to do that as well? No, that's that's fantastic, and and, and Dave, it's uh, it's really been illuminating hearing the story. It's I think uh, you know all of us are very excited when we we hear the the changes that are uh, possible with the uh, with the uh, a new way to to exchange value and 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 generate and consume power, and uh, it it's can be you know evolutionary and revolutionary at the same time and and transformative as well so so i i thank you so much for taking the time david really appreciate it absolutely pleasure anytime
Absolutely. And this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners. And we've been speaking with David Martin of PowerLedger. And thanks once again. Cheers. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners. And we thank you for listening to our Digital Disruptor series of interviews. For further information, please check the show notes as well as our website for more information on the innovations and innovators profiled here. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. 